Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. It's Thursday. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by JP Mason and Declan McConville for the Axon Bulletin. JP, as always, you're sitting there with your King Tut smug. Uh, hopefully, we'll be into live venues soon enough. You've also got uh, a Celtic jersey uh, over your right shoulder, and a curious number has appeared on your bookshelf. <laughs> Talk to me about the number one one zero. 
Uh, well, somebody mentioned that we should do this. Or, uh, maybe it was yourself, actually. Should we get like a, a, a number uh, appearing in the screen? So I just I, I looked it up and figured out that, uh, sorry, Tony, uh, but it is actually over 100 days until the first Champions League qualifier. It is the 20th of July. We enter, or we will enter, at the second qualifying round as uh, runners-up. <laughs> uh, of the league and so yeah 110 days it is until our Champions League qualifiers begin even though it's over 100 days that is still frightening Declan McConville do we have enough time to rebuild this fractured Celtic football club enough time I don't know I mean the wheels are in motion just now we see the, the ticker tape in the bottom but we're running with you know we've got a head of football operations that's the part of the club there's going to be a massive massive turnover whether we've got enough time is all going to be dependent on how quickly we get a new set up in the door and uh, what new players we get in quickly but you know that second round qualifier should be okay but it's when you start to get into even the third round but we've found it in previous seasons that we've even faltered there so um, as a big, big task ahead of us, and I uh, hope that we do um, get through it because it'd be great to hear those uh, the Champions League music back at Celtic Park again. When was the last time we heard it, Declan? Anderlecht, December 2017. That that's frightening. That's frightening. Now um, we were talking about specific numbers, JP, before we came on live, and how you associate certain things to a number, and. Um, I don't know if it's sometimes a bit of the old paranoia. I remember the movie with Jim Carrey, the number 23. He starts seeing it. I wish I saw numbers on my way to my work and then put a lottery ticket on and uh, they all came up. But 110, next time I see you, it'll be 103. But you said that the numbers that you associate yourself with is uh, the obvious one, 67, 88. Is that right? Oh, yeah, 88. If I ever see 88, you know, anywhere, I just immediately think of, the year I started supporting Celtic or following Celtic and uh, and then obviously 1888 as well and Gary Hooper 88 mm. he took as his squad number what was your squad number when you played at Celtic Park what was your number 14 Paul Lambert was it because when yeah. I played I, I wouldn't ask you that because I don't think you've made your debut yet but when I played it was <laughs> I'm too young I went <laughs> I went for the the number 71 to, because it was 7-1 Hamden in the sun so I went for 71 and it's a jersey like yourself I was allowed to take it home the reason I ask is because I know you're wearing a St Pauli or Sancta Pauli top and um, I might have mentioned this on the pod before but you were unaware that um, I had a couple of St Pauli fans over this was a few years ago now um, I remember the game actually we played Hearts we beat them 1-0 and Samaras scored and we wore that 125th anniversary white kit that day, remember they had the black and the green hooped socks, oh, yeah. really smart kit, we didn't wear it enough if you ask me but um, we had a, a couple of Germans over to give them the whole Celtic experience, we went down the Gallagate, took them into the boozers etc, went up to the park spent some time outside the stadium on the match day and of course they wanted to go into the Celtic Superstore to get some merch and they pointed out to me that all the merch had number 88 on it um, wasn't really a good way um, to, uh, you know, have a partnership with the German fans. Now, this was at a time where we had half and half St. Pauli scarves in a Celtic shop, and they said that it was because it would signify HH, and I'm thinking, well, that's not a bad thing for Celtic either, but uh, Heil Hitler. 
88 yeah. and HH and they were saying that neo-Nazis even to this day in Germany would sign their name and then put HH after it so you think the connotations to walking into a shop and seeing HH or AA all over the place obviously they weren't going to buy that kind of merch and take it back to Germany yeah. but it had never occurred to me and obviously had never occurred to the merchandising team at Celtic who were trying to build a relationship with our German fans. Um, I just leave it, just leave it to the fans, leave it to the fans <laughs> to cultivate the relationship instead of... Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Now, as I said, JP, you're drinking out of a King Touch Wawa hot mug. When are we going to get back in to see a gig? Is your band lined up for anything this uh, year? Not this year, no. Uh, but then... That's uh, that's just because uh, the, the size of the gigs really. Um, I would like to think that maybe by the end of the year um, there'll be gigs in places like the Barrowland again. Um, but trying to get a date in the Barrowland right now, if you're moving gigs, is almost impossible. Like for mm-hmm. the next two years, it's just so hard to get, especially to get back to back dates as well. So I guess it just it just depends what the government come up with in the next uh, the next few weeks about capacity legislation and and uh, things like that because that's that's ultimately going to affect whether or not um we can open you know uh if, if, if we're allowed to open but if, if we have to open and we have to open with social distancing then uh, then it's a busted flush until until such time as we can open um with capacity so see when we think about you know people are talking about a lost generation of football players who were with youth teams JP and have not been able to train have not been able to play for some time um, and I've spoken to some coaches who actually had the fear that they would be lost to the game um, a lot of the players have already said to their youth coaches I'm not coming back because you know they can't play they can't train and have lost interest which saddens me greatly do you think it would be the same with music with the amount of venues that we're losing are we also losing a lot of bands do you think yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's bands that have had to that have been forced into, you know, choosing different uh, paths. You know, uh, albeit maybe on a temporary basis, but that might lead to a permanent basis. In which case, they'll you know reassess their priorities and maybe a band are pursuing what they're doing with the band might not be you know paramount in their thinking anymore. So, absolutely, yeah, I think it's 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 a scary thought. I just hope that uh, that maybe if there's any you know attrition that we gain bands as well throughout this period where bands that have pop up that you've never heard of before that have been inspired by the situation or inspired to go and make a band or join a band in this in this sort of odd downtime that we've had uh, where nobody's been able to do the normal things. I mean, at the studio here, we've got 13 uh, live sessions, acoustic sessions, lined up. And we're really looking forward to starting to to get them recorded once we're allowed to get people back in the studio. Declan, I know you're a big music fan yourself. When was the last gig that you went to? What was the last gig, the last band you saw live? It was Liam Gallagher at the Hydro in November 2019 was the last gig I was at. Um, class class gig start to finish absolutely immense um, I withered in the old Noel and Liam stuff I was quite team Noel for a long time and then Noel just became a bit of a to use one of a better expression a, a dick and then <laughs> Team Liam now, so. I, I just thought Declan has gone through his wealth of vocabulary there, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, and then he comes out with that. And to be honest, I can't think of a better word. But I've got to say, you know, in terms of the music, it's difficult for me. Difficult for me to to put a line between the two of them. Uh, I wasn't at that gig. That was were the DM DMAs supporting that I night. Think yeah, we went, 
Oh, I went to the Aberdeen, didn't I? Aberdeen, yeah. TMA's for the support, aye. I couldn't get a ticket for the Glasgow gig. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to football and music. You know, they're, they're the two biggies for me. Uh, but we've been talking a lot about, uh, obviously, aye, and you, JP, um, 110 days to the, the Champions League. This morning, thankfully, we were invited, a Celtic State of Mind were invited to take part once again in a press conference, a Celtic Park press conference, where we go in and we, we dial in virtually. And uh, today was a wee bit different because we were blessed to be speaking to... Uh, Jody Bartle, who's a centre-half for the women's team. So they're playing on Sunday. That's their comeback game. They've had a friendly, but it's their comeback game on Sunday and they'll be playing Glasgow City. Now, if you think Celtic have dominated Scottish football, what about Glasgow City? They've won 13 leagues in a row. Uh, now, Celtic are sitting third in the table at the moment, uh, with Rangers sitting top, interestingly enough. But Celtic play Glasgow City at quarter past at four on Sunday and the game will be screened live on BBC Alba. Uh, we got the opportunity to speak to Jody. It was a very interesting press conference. I will only use a Celtic State of Minds um, question rather than all the other guys who were there who might want to put it on their own platform. But we're in there with the STV news team etc. If Celtic beat uh, Glasgow they will leapfrog them into second place. They've brought in four new players during the, the winter months of isolation. Three internationalists and and uh, Sarah Teagarden, who's been out for a year, has returned after a, uh, an ACL injury. So I got uh, an opportunity to catch up with Jodie, and here's what we said. Good morning, Jodie. Paul John Dykes from uh, Celtic State of Mind. Uh, now, the match against Glasgow City is being screened on BBC Alba following the news that the Women's Super League uh, have signed a, a kind of groundbreaking deal as well for broadcasting. How clear an indication do you feel that this is that the women's game is moving forward at a relentless pace? Oh, it's, it's great news. When I saw that um, with the Super League, you know, um, that's setting a precedence for um, British football. I think, um, you know, the, the fact that we're, that there's going to be the rights and there's going to be showing um, of every single Super League game. And I think that will then mean um, that if, if they've got the rights to, for the Super League, that will mean that championship games will also be able to get shown um, through the other means that it was before, I think, through the FA player. So that means that more football is going to be watched and is going to be available for people to see. And then obviously up, up here in Scotland, um, it said there's, there's so much more coverage. Um, and, you know, that, that's, that's all that we can ask for at the moment is more to be happening. And that is happening. Um, so it's great to see that, um, there's going to be people watching from everywhere, you know, you know, all over the country, in, in other countries. And it's available, especially at the moment when we haven't got fans. Um, we don't know when fans are going to be coming back in. I know in England that there's some set dates for um, when fans might be able to go back in and, and watch games. Up here, we don't know. So we need to make sure that people can still support us and they have the means in order to watch us. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great thing to see, definitely. Thanks and good luck on Sunday, Jody. So, will you be tuning in, guys? Tuning in on Sunday, BBC Alba, four o'clock. Actually, I, I probably will. You know, I mean, as Easter Sunday, so as you know, 
Know. You can watch it over your Easter eggs, Declan, I'm sure. Um, it is interesting, you know, I think it's only right that, uh, you know, the women's game is getting this this coverage. I mean, it was a groundbreaking deal down south, of course, and as these things always seem to be up here, we're a wee bit further behind. Um, although I think another seven of the women's games are going to be shown between now and the end of the season on BBC Alba. Um Entertaining. It's entertaining. It's uh, something that Celtic have invested massively in. You know, we're now a professional side. Um, we've redeveloped Barrafield and partly for, for youths uh, to train at, but also for the women's team to train at um, as well. And I, I just think it's one of these things that um, I have got an interest in, and I think I will start tuning in to these games. It, it's something that perhaps um, there's been a, a newfound interest in it during the lockdown, during the, the process of not having loads of football that you can go and watch, that when it actually returns and you can go and watch it, I can see myself doing it. JP, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I don't see why we wouldn't invest heavily in it because if there's an interest, uh, you know, from uh, women to play football, then we should be there given a given an outlet to do that because, you know, I've definitely seen it in the, in the oh god, <laughs> thirty two years that I've been going to watch Celtic. I've definitely seen the numbers increase uh, the other way in, in terms of it not being male dominated. You know, there's a lot of lot of females at the football anymore uh, now. Should I say? And, you know, if they're going to the football and they're enjoying the experience and becoming, you know, massive Celtic fans, then if any of them are interested in playing it, then they're going to have that passion to play. And what a great outlet to do it and wearing a Celtic strip while you're doing it. I, you know, God, I'd, I'd love to do that. See, the big thing for me as well, when I, I think back and obviously having done a lot of in interviews uh, over the last 12 months with people who are involved in youth football, JP, um, I just see the benefit you know, of kids being involved in sport, not just football, but obviously in sport. And I think back to the, the time where I played, um, not to any level, but um, all the, the benefits that I got from being part of a team that travelled all over the place, not just in Scotland, but further afield. And, you know, there was a maturity, I think, that developed within uh, kids who were involved in sport. There certainly was a maturity. You were dealing a lot more away from your, your school teachers with adults, because obviously everybody who was involved in coaching the team and looking after the side, particularly when you went on European trips, um, they were all adults. So I think there was a maturity, there was a discipline, uh, the team ethic, um, the, the, the hard-working kind of ethic as well. So I think, obviously, the benefits um, are you know, always going to far outweigh the success and having a cabinet full of trophies and all that kind of thing. Um, my biggest my biggest criticism's always been with the coaches trying to live their dreams through the kids and it's all about winning, it's all about having the, the trophies, whereas really it, it's a lot deeper than that. It's all about the social aspect. You know, you think about it, Declan, a lot of these kids, um, you know, it, it's a, an escapism for them. And then once they get to a certain age, you know, there could be a choice between going to training um, or going and standing on a street corner and running about with a gang and getting into mischief and petty crime which can lead to, to worse and worse crime. Um, and I think that, you know, it's only right that females have got that exact same opportunity. Declan? Yeah, the opportunities need to be there. And again, we've spoken a lot in this podcast about being what would be described as an elite football club. And if you look around the world, that, say, for instance, Manchester City, their investment in women's football has been incredible. And mm. again, it's all about the modern game and um, women's football should just have as an important place as men's football at this point in time. That there's no reason why it can't be because 
you know, we live in a, a world now where it's 50-50 split. So women should just have as much a chance and opportunity in football as men. And that's even been seen with Celtic appointing for Alonso as a manager, you know. That's really the guy that worked at Southampton. It was quite an ambitious move. And it seems to be working out. So the more the merrier for me. And I would hope that once we start to get back, that they even start to fill in a bit of a crowd. Because I think there is an interest there. Um, the Women's World Cup, I tuned into that when it was on. I think that was... It'll be two years ago in the summer now. And um, yeah, I think the interest is there. And girls should be given that avenue to, to get into professional sport, if it's football or whatever else. I think it's a great point. The World Cup, the way that was broadcast and promoted, uh, Declan got a lot of people interested who yeah. maybe up to that point didn't have the same interest. So the broadcasting deals that are happening down south and the one that we've got up here, uh, albeit a lot smaller with BBC Alba, are massive. So tune in four o'clock Sunday night um, if unlike Declan you don't have other things in your diary because uh, obviously you're a, a very sociable person Declan McConville uh, biggest story in the world of Celtic overnight was something we actually touched on last week JP we remember we were talking about once international football gets out of the way we reckoned that uh, further moves would be happening uh, within the corridors of Celtic Park that has happened with confirmation yesterday that uh, Nick Hammond has stepped down. He has uh, resigned and uh, obviously will move on to Pastors New. He's been at the club since 2019. I'm going to ask you the question, uh, JP, is his legacy Barkas and Ayeti? Uh, well, it would appear to be, but then who who knows if it was his idea to sign those players or if it was you know from Peter Lawwell or if it was a combination of both. I don't think it was Neil Lennon. So... That, that's that's this huge question that we all want answered. Who who has properly whose whose name is next to these players that have signed? Like I, I actually looked up because he he joined in June June twenty nineteen um, on a temporary basis on a kind of like a trial basis. Is that right? If yeah. I remember rightly. Mm-hmm. And then so he oversaw the incomings of volleyball and golly, uh, Christopher Julian, Hatem Abdel Hamed, uh, uh, Greg Taylor, Luke O'Connell. Toby Oluwayemi, uh, Leo Hield, Jeremy Frimpong, Leo Connor. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only. Right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Jonathan Affle Abbey and Liam Burt. That was his roll call for that 
summer. And then in the January transfer window, Patrick Clomala is Milos Soro, uh, and that's it. <laughs> Is that right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm saying, maybe I'm being harsh, uh, I'm saying Barkas Nayete then, you throw in Frimpong, who's been a success and obviously he's made the club money. Uh, Julien has been a success, it's been unfortunate uh, with injuries. Soro, I believe, will uh, continue his development and become a success. So, am I being harsh or, you know, is it uh, because it's so fresh in the memory, Declan Barkas Nayete coming in, £10 million worth of signings, it doesn't happen. The goalkeeper situation... Uh, when you're sitting watching Scotland and Craig Gordon still pulling off um, saves and plucking them out the sky like a cat. It's quite frustrating, isn't it, when you look at the, the fact that uh, we had him at our disposal, we let him go, and now we're not even sure what our number one is or who our number one is. Yeah, I think that's been one of the main factors of the downfall of our season. Um, you know, if you look at the team that's went on to win the league, they've had consistency in that position and a, a match-winning goalkeeper. It's something we've not had. We've changed it so much from Barkas to Bain to Hazard, back to Barkas, back to Bain. It's just been a, a position, it's been a d- disaster. But I think in Nicky Hammond, it just shows you how disjointed we were as a football club. Mm. That we had a manager that wasn't in sync with his coaches and ultimately not in sync with their head of football operations because they didn't all go as a collective. I've saw parts of what has failed this season slowly leave the building, which shows you how disjointed it was inside the building. Yeah, absolutely. As you said there, Head of Football Operations, uh, JP, does this open the door for an announcement? And do you think it will happen before the end of this week? It has to happen. 110 days to go. Yeah, surely. Surely it will. I mean, that you know, they obviously are just doing this sort of the diligent thing and allowing an announcement to happen, dust to settle, and then it will be, you know, possibly tomorrow. I, I don't know if they would do it that soon. Um, I mean, everybody. It seems to be the worst kept secret in Scottish football that Fergal Harkin is the, is going to be the guy coming in. I mean, if it, if it's not him, then I think there'll be a lot of people quite surprised at that. But you just think back to how differently would things have played out if Neil Wennon had got his man in terms of Tommy Johnson? Because was it not Tommy Johnson that was being lined up to come in to help him recruit players, and then Nick Hammond got offered the job instead? So that was a Peter Lowell decision. And Neil Wennon just had to kind of go, oh, okay, then I'll I'll just carry on without without my pal. I mean, I know it's his pal, but he's obviously felt he was qualified to do a job with him. Yeah. So, um, aye, it's just, I just think back to that picture of like Nick Hammond, Neil Wennon, and Peter Law standing outside uh, Lennox Town, you know, with the whole you know media handshake with the Celtic strip and everything else, and it's just like that that means nothing now because he's not leaving any sort of great legacy. And it just it doesn't really pour any great light on the appointment in the first place because there's no, he's not left any sort of uh, legacy or, or strategy uh, behind that someone else can come and pick up. It's just like a guy that did a job for 17 months and now he's left. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the, the best way to describe it is... Uh, uh, to use the word that Declan's already used, it's so uh, disjointed, it's so fragmented, isn't it? Mm. And it should all be working as one. Um, but before we get the management team in place, we need to get, obviously, uh, the head of football operations or the director of football um, or whatever the title is going to be. We know what the role is in place. We think it may well be Fergal Harkin. And once that happens, hopefully things will start to happen quickly and in, in around the, the head coach role. Um, Declan, when you've heard all the names, you know, we've seen them all coming and going, we've tried 
try their best to discuss as many of them as possible on a Celtic state of mind. Um, it would appear even today, uh, you know, Jackie McNamara on Sky Sports talking about the possibility of Eddie Howe coming in. Someone pointed out on our WhatsApp group that he's got links to Peter Grant from their days yeah. at Bournemouth. Would he be the Celtic link, the Celtic connection um, that some feel is necessary for a manager or a head coach to, uh, you know, lean on um, as part of the integration into the club? We've heard the Keenan Butt rumours. I find that really interesting, um, Keenan Butt, because obviously yours truly was in for some stick when I put that tweet out. Um, Harkin, Keen and Butt. And then obviously what happened was um, I'm thinking around the, the lines of Roy Keane uh, appearing regularly on Sky Sports. Now, I don't think he's employed by Sky Sports. I don't think many of these pundits are employed by any one broadcaster. They're, they're freelancers and they get opportunities um, for, from various broadcasters to, to appear on the show. So I'm not quite sure. But you would have thought at some point someone at Sky Sports uh, might have asked Roy Keane the question. And I find, uh, I, I then found it very interesting that they ran with the story. They ran with the story at the beginning of this week uh, around Keenan Butt and they were asking ex-Elks all around that. So, Eddie Howe, Keenan Butt, do you think anyone else is in the running at this moment in time, Declan? I think there's probably a, a decent enough uh, shortlist of candidates, which is a good thing. I would hope that the club are doing their due diligence and, and interviewing a lot of people because we need to get this right. It, it can't just be a case of pick a man and go with it. Uh, but we need to thoroughly carry out a, a decent interview process. I would hope that there's more than two candidates up for the job. Uh, I think I said right away when Neil Lennon departed that I would like Eddie Howe in. Whether there's anything stopping that at this moment in time, I don't know. We've obviously ran with the Maresca story here due to these links with Fergal Harkin at Manchester City. I hope there's a lot of candidates out there and that the Harkin situation gets sorted soon because, again, we don't want a head coach coming in that doesn't know anything about the the, the director of football because, as we said earlier on, we want everything to work in sync and we want a, a structure and a situation that, if anything falls out of place, it can be sorted very quickly yeah it still runs you know if one element of that is to be removed the whole structure is still in place what I would ask you JP would it surprise you if Celtic were to announce someone that hasn't been name checked in the press isn't on an odds checker list and we just make this announcement uh, no one's seen it coming would that surprise you it wouldn't surprise me no Uh, I, I, I fully embraced for that moment because like we've said before, you know, like they kept the Dominic Mackay thing under wraps. No one knew about that. And I've not heard anything from any, you know, quote unquote sources that would signify to me that anything's a, a done deal with anybody that's sort of been mentioned so far. So, and it's not as if we are the oracle of knowledge of managers in world football, you know, um, there could be somebody that comes out of, out of nowhere, you know, like a Ronnie Dyla or something like that. I'm not saying you know, of that same level, maybe a, a higher level, but well, hopefully a higher level. But um, yeah, when you mentioned Peter Grant there, the, the thing about Peter Grant with the, the Mowbray thing, that's always bugged me that he is, because I know how, I mean, I'm sure Tony Mowbray was gutted about how it worked out at Celtic. I'm, I'm sure he wished it had gone better, but I mean, the fact that Peter Grant was associated with that kind of failure was it really stuck in my throat because... You know how much Peter Grant loves Celtic, do you know what I mean? Like the guy, 
Guy loves it. And uh, if, if Eddie Howe was to uh, bring Peter Grant in as part of his coaching team and it was an Eddie Howe decision, I would be all for that because I'd love to mm. see Peter Grant get another uh, chance at, you know, wearing the wearing the badge again uh, in an official capacity because uh, yeah, he's a great guy. It, it actually surprised me, JP, um, when during the, the Mowbray era, Grant seemed so passive. That's what surprised me. Um, I mean, you know, he was the type of player that he definitely divided opinion when you think back to the, you know, the, the 90s particularly, Peter Grant. But I was always a big fan, I've got to say, and I, I think it's because maybe I'm a traditionalist, maybe I'm old-fashioned. I always believe that you need to have a hardcore, a nucleus, a Celts that have come through the ranks and know the club inside out. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. Maybe that thing, that kind of thing is dying out. I hope for one that it never dies out at Celtic. And I always felt Grant gave us that. Now, I think he himself knew his limit as a player but then you watched uh, I mean in the centenary year he was a very important part of that team broke his leg of course and then we had the or did he break his leg the following season and then missed the Rangers game I'd need to double check that Um, he he missed one of the finals didn't he with a broken leg the Dundee United or the the Rangers one someone will correct me on the the comments section Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. I, need to, I, I know I'm, I'm good with memory and stuff like that, but that's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's maybe a bit too niche. <laughs> uh, well, I do recall it. And of course, it was a blinding sunny day. Both of the cup finals were. But then when you fast forward to the 1995 cup final against Airdrie, where he's played with an injury for the best part of the game and he gets the man of the match. Oh, and you can see him wincing when he's running and he's still throwing himself into tackles. And then after the game, what it meant to him, you could see what it meant to him and Paul McStay, and Tommy Burns, and, you know, dare I say it, on the lap of honour, because I was in row A that day at Hamden, in the lap of honour, you know, you could see what it meant to, to Pat Bonner, and you could see what it meant to even Charlie Nicholas, who was suited up at that point, just as part of the squad. Um, but, I, you know, for that reason, I was always a big fan of Grant, and I was happy when he came back to the club in that capacity. But I always felt he was far too passive. Far too passive. You know when people used to say about the body language of Tony Mowbray, we would just be standing there with the arms crossed, leaning against the dugout, JP. I expected Grant to be the firebrand character in that relationship. He probably just felt like he had to rein it in a bit, you know, because he wasn't the main man. You know, I think maybe there is an element of that with an assistant coach uh, that they don't feel like they can go full pelt at the side and the sidelines. Um, Maybe and the, think they were undermining the manager if they did, but yeah, that that, that scene. I, I, by the way, I'm not just saying get Peter Grant in because he's a Celtic guy. He's obviously you know he's a respected coach. He's been uh, I don't is he actually in work at the moment? He's is at Alaba, yeah, Alaba boss. Oh, of course, he's Alaba boss. Yeah, of course, I know that. I knew that. Um, but you know, he's 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 been assistant down south to quite a few uh, decent managers. I can't remember what he was at Bournemouth, but like I said, if if Eddie Howe wanted to. To bring him in, then it wouldn't just be it wouldn't just be advocating it because he's a Celt- an ex Celtic player, because he's actually a, a coach as well. Um, and that scene at the end of the cup final against Deirdre when he embraces Tommy Burns is one of my favourite pictures ever in association with Celtic. Just to see they were like properly, you know, bear hugging at the end of the game, just like pure passion. It was amazing and just emotion. It's great. It was great. You know, always, uh, always pinpoint that game as being one of the best games, uh, Celtic games that I've ever been at JP and I need to qualify that because it was, the game was rotten it was a rubbish game oh, terrible, right? but I always 
list it and because of the importance of that that victory that day, um, you know, that was our first uh, honour. It was our first honour since 1989 when we, we beat Rangers in the cup final. And it was so important. It was so, so important for us to win that game. Um, and I always look back fondly on it. Uh, with regards, you, you dropped the name of Ronnie Dyla in there, so let's have a wee chat about Ronnie. I think uh, Declan looks back fondly uh, on Ronnie Dyla. Uh, interestingly enough, I, I brought this up just the other day on uh, the, the bulletin. The Norwegian squad... Uh, that I was watching the other night and I was watching Chris Iyer with, with some interest. Um, there's four of that squad that are uh, Ronnie Dyla prodigies. Four of them. Chris Iyer, Martin Odegaard, who's the wonder kid who's at Real Madrid, currently on loan at Arsenal. He's a captain of the national side. Ivar Fossum and Tokmak Nguyen. They're all Ronnie Dyla players. And you look at that, you look at the Arsenal side with Kieran Tierney and Odegaard starring week in, week out, and you think back to the Ronnie Dyla thing, and you think, you know, I would have loved if he had been given the position he was originally uh, offered, JP, and he wasn't the, the manager or the or the face or the or you know the focal point. I just wish he was allowed to work away in the background at developing players and identifying players. And had he been that figure, he might have still been at the club. Hmm. Aye, there's every chance. And as, as we're going into Kevin Graham parallel universes uh, chat here, because you know how how would it have played out if if the structure had been in place for Dyla to. To blossom, but yeah, I mean, oh, there's all, obviously loads of the great things that Ronnie Dyla did at Celtic. I mean, I still can't believe he gets slagged for the, the Ronnie Roar. I loved that. I thought it was great. You know, it was a really good kind of, uh, you know, connection to make with the support and it, everybody bought into it, you know. Um, and Klopp ripped him off, didn't he? Oh, did he? I didn't know that. <laughs> I think Klopp, <laughs> yeah. I should know that. You should know that. <laughs> Your doppelganger ripped him off. I should know that, but yeah, no, I, I, I had a lot of time for Ronnie Dyla and obviously the players that he brought in. I mean, everybody said it. Rogers picked up, picked up the baton from Ronnie Dyla and just, you know, uh, kept going what he'd started and then made things better with his experience. I think so and uh, again we've spoken about some of the players who were involved um, as successful uh, parts of Brennan Rodgers' side and the fact that they were brought in and they were nurtured by Ronnie Dyla such as Callum McGregor of course and aforementioned uh, Kieran Tierney and Chris Iyer being three uh, such examples um, there is actually a it's only a rumour at the moment. I thought it was confirmed, but it is only a rumour that um, Patrick Kamala is going to join up with Ronnie Dyla in New York. So uh, I'm not sure if that's a permanent deal or or if it's a loan deal. But my biggest concern there is Colin Watt and I did a, a, a real run-through, like a deep dive, I think the kids call it, Deck. You can keep me updated on that, uh, on the Celtic squad. And when when we got to the striker situation, because I've already spoken in detail about how concerned I am with the defence, you know, the defence we are going to line up with for that first game in 110 days' time before we bring anybody else in is way for thin at the moment, JP. But also when you look at the strikers... We're all kind of resigned to the fact that uh, Eduard is going to leave. He's still starring for uh, the France under-21 side at the age of 23, which I find quite amusing, scoring goals left, right and centre. Um, we're going to lose him. There's a question mark over Lee Griffiths, who might be used as a make-weight for um, Ferguson to come from Aberdeen. And of course, there's this this chat around Clamalla going to New York. Now, if all these things were to happen, and it seems likely, and we'll talk about Griff in a few moments, our strikers will consist of Albiana Yeti, 
and the big man Bio when he comes back from Toulouse. Now, Declan, we're talking about the legacy left by the head of the football operation. When your squad is left in such a disarray, as has just been described, then surely, yeah, Peter Lowell has to take his uh, share of the blame, as does Neil Lennon. And so does Nick Hammond. And, and to be fair, for us to move on, all three of these figures did have to leave Celtic Park. Yeah, they did. I think it was past the point of any sensibility that they, they, they could still remain in place. You know, if you look at the situation that we do find ourselves in now, it's appalling that it's been left in this situation. Whether we won 10 or whether we lost 10, it should never have got to this because, you know, a football club can't live in the past. It needs to look forward constantly. And that is obviously apparent to see that it's not been what we've been doing. You've also got Afalabi that might come back there. Paul from Dundee could be considered in the mix too. But again, you know, a £5 million striker we've brought in that's not did anything that we probably expected. Bio at Toulouse, you know, he's not playing in Ligue 1. He's second division France. What is he going to do when he comes back? And again, a, a striker coming back on loan from Dundee, it doesn't really fill you in much excitement. So it's a department that I certainly worry in um, because, you know, can we replace Odds and Edward? We obviously were very lucky that we replaced Moussa Dembele so quickly. But in terms of a top quality seeker like that, there's not many out there that you can get cheap. So it's a position I really worry about. Well, this is the thing. What do you get for £5 million? Uh, do you get um, Barkas? Do you get a Yeti? And if that's the case, then you need to push that level up to what you get for £9 million. And our experience shows a few years ago what you got for £9 million. What do you get for it now? So, GP, we're, we're looking at uh, the possibility of Clamalla going to New York. There was also a suggestion that Celtic uh, turned down an offer for Eduard at the beginning of the season from Inter Milan. That's come from a, an Italian uh, journalist that Inter Milan were interested in signing Eduard. Uh, there's also the suggestion that Lee Griffiths will finally depart Celtic Park and he will be used in a, a transfer where it's a player plus cash deal um, for Ferguson, Lewis Ferguson coming to Celtic. So there's so many questions I need to ask around that whole situation. Eddie's on his way, I'm pretty sure he is. Um, will he be the biggest loss of all to this squad, do you think? Or has his performances over the last year made it a little bit easier for, for his departure? This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Uh, well, I think Scott Brown will be the biggest loss to this squad uh, for everything that Scott Brown brings, not just on the park. You know, uh, I've, I've not spoken about Scott Brown leaving Celtic officially. I knew that I know it was in the in the stars before last Thursday, but yeah, I'm I'm just gutted that Brown's leaving in the way that he is, and and also that even 
regardless of how the season's panned out, that we're not going to be able to give him a farewell at the ground, you know? Mm. Like, he just, it's like you said the other day, um, so many things will have changed by the time we come back to the ground that it will almost just seem like we've been in a kind of Bobby Ewing, sorry for our younger viewers there, but <laughs> Bobby Ewing kind of uh, scenario yeah. and, uh, uh, you know, from the 80s. Um, and, you know, Scott Brown's suddenly in an Aberdeen strip and there's no ovation, there's no farewell, there's no kind of speech in the middle of the park. I mean, all of that is, you know, surely would have been expected to happen, but it's just not. So Griffiths leaving to go to Aberdeen, oh, I mean, I, 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 it would be weird to see that as well. Um, but you have to think that maybe it is time for Griffiths. And again, if it's if if, if he wants to move move on um, to to pursue a new challenge, then then it's definitely time to for him to go. I don't think he was one of the agitators uh, that Lennon was speaking about at the start of the season. Highly unlikely that he was. But um, you've got the, the the wage problem there. Whether Aberdeen will be able to match yeah. the wage he's on at Celtic is, is, is there's no way they will. I mean, so he'll need to take a pay cut. But I mean. He's, what, is he 30 now? He's 30, he's yeah. 30, yeah. I was thinking about it yesterday, JP. You mentioned Brown there because you didn't have the opportunity last week to talk about Scott Brown. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you know, you think about, right, Shea Logan's gone to Hearts. I'm sure mm-hmm. that's just a co- coincidence. <laughs> no, um, contract. Aye, exactly. Um, but Scott Brown has undertaken two roles. So, you know, you've got two ages to play with. So that's probably how they've managed to, to do a deal with Scott Brown, as well as the fact that he wanted to get into the coaching side of things, mm-hmm. of course. But in terms of trying to, to finance the deal for Brown, I can see how they've done it. Uh, when it comes down to, to Lee Griffiths, they're maybe looking at some of their, their loan players going back to their parent clubs and being able to... Uh, accumulate the wages that that costs uh, to bring in Lee Griffiths. I'm still of the belief, uh, Declan, tell me if you agree or disagree, that if Lee Griffiths was to go to a club like Aberdeen and he was to play 40 games in a season, and I don't know how likely that is, by the way, because he's not done that in the last three seasons. He's averaging 25 games a season for the last three seasons at Celtic. And we know that's not all down to form and it's not all down to physical fitness. There's been mental fitness issues as well. But if he was to play 40 games in a season, would you expect him to be able to be as prolific as a 20-goal-a-season striker? He's done it wherever he's gone. Regardless of who he's played for, be that Hibs or Wolves, you know, Livingston, Dundee, he has always had that prolific goal scoring of more than a goal every two games. I think it just depends on what Lee Griffiths you get, Paul. I mean, you know, we went into one of the most important seasons in Celtic's history and he wasn't allowed to go to France for pre-season training, which, you know, stinks a bad attitude and, and not working for the manager, That the fact to get left behind. So if you get that Lee Griffiths, I'd probably tell you no. If you get the Lee Griffiths that was turning up for, for Ronnie Dyler, then yes, because, you know, on his day, whenever he's putting his mind to it and he's, he's right up for it, he's a good goal scorer. And that's been proven by his Celtic record, you know. He's topped 100 goals for the club. He contributed a lot. Um, it'd certainly be a decent enough addition to Aberdeen if the attitude's right and he's playing regularly. So I think it all depends on what Lee Griffiths you get, but. In my opinion, I think it's time to go. He's, I think he's let us down this season badly um, in terms of just, well, not being at it, really. 
The, the big thing is, I think back obviously to the last game we were all at, he scores a hat-trick. Leading up to his reintroduction to the Celtic side, you know, every time Lee Griffiths was sent out to warm up, the, the entire stadium, you know, stood up, cheered him, supported him. But eventually, JP, no matter who you are, eventually your patience runs dry with footballers and if they haven't like Declan says if they haven't stood up this season of all seasons and given 100% to make sure that you're the best you could possibly be and as a professional footballer at that level fitness is it should actually be a prerequisite for that that should be there should be no question that you're fit enough to play we're, we're in April is he even fit yet? Is he going to be, you know, he might get a game this weekend because we're playing a team that's not in the same division as us. I'm not, not going to quite write them off yet. But um, I think Declan's right in what he says. It is, for me, and I've been a big supporter of Lee Griffiths, if he was to leave, I would think the time is right. I really do. Do you think this all is part of the, the mooted uh, review, you know, which has obviously resulted in quite a few changes at Celtic. Have they also looked at the playing staff? Are they looking at someone like Scott Brown, even, um, and Lee Griffiths and saying, well, this season you haven't done what we would expect and that's why we're allowing you to go? Mm, I'm, I'm always a bit mindful about, you know, what has actually happened versus, you know, what was, what's been portrayed to happen because there's been instances in the past where I've made, up, made my mind up about players, Dedrick Boyata being one of them, and then you subsequently find out other things about the Dedrick Wyatta situation where maybe it wasn't all his fault, you know. Because um, remember the banner from the Green Brigade and all of that, you know, that that, that actually probably wasn't really deserved of, of, of him at that time. Um, and Lee Griffiths is another one, you know, he's made like little sort of comments in the media where he's going kind to of said, you know, we'll see that park out there, I need to play in it, or see the grass, I need to go out and play in it. And, and you know, almost making out that he's been doing his bit I don't know, necessarily know if I believe that or not because fact is, yes, he was pictured going in to get a kebab after training one day. What is a Celtic player doing going into a kebab shop, you know, after training? I mean, no one else does it or no one else did it, so why was he doing it? And that's just one incident. I'm not saying that Lee Griffiths goes to kebab shop equals he is unfit, but you can draw your own conclusions from that, you know, um, rather than what may or may not have happened. That did happen, so that's one instance and you know obviously there's the, the, the not being fit for the pre-season trip and everything else like even just for working on tactics and stuff like that and building the rebuilding the Edward Griffiths partnership while they were out there like yeah. we, were, we were robbed of that opportunity to do that and then and then never really recovered so yeah I think I think I, I, I don't like seeing players leave uh, when it feels like it's the wrong time but everything feels like the wrong time at the moment because of the situation that we're in. We're not getting the opportunity to do the normal things that we would do when players leave um, and obviously leaving under the circumstances where we've lost the league um, is not ideal either. But I I mean, he's, he's a Celtic number nine and a Celtic number nine we should be able to hang our hat on and be guaranteed performances and goals and we're getting neither of them at the moment from him. Well, you think about his best season in the Celtic jersey. Yes, it was under Ronnie Dyler. He scores 40 goals. That was five years ago. That's the Lee Griffiths that I think we were all pining for. You know, the Lee Griffiths that can score at will from range, out of nothing. Um, the Lee Griffiths that we've seen scoring two incredible goals against England. You know, that was the Lee Griffiths we were all pining for. But slowly and surely we realised, I think, that we were never going to get that Lee Griffiths back. So the time may well be now. It's interesting that, you know, if we were to... Um, 
sell him or move him on to Aberdeen, he he may well be a makeweight to bring in Lewis Ferguson. So it also shows you how much his value has plummeted as well. You know, what does that mean? He's worth one and a half million quid. Two million pounds, you know that for me is a testament to the to the real downfall of Lee Griffiths over the last few seasons at Celtic, and it's unfortunate. But we are in a time of change, so um, I would be hoping that we have plenty of other options lined up. Uh, let's have a look at some of the comments coming in via YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. I keep saying this, but if you are watching it on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. The subscribers are growing by the day. Uh, Lloyd Jepson, well back, welcome back to the show. Afternoon, how is it going? Hmm. Well, who knows? Who knows how it's going? I've heard all the rumours um, and uh, treble, treble, the changes are coming very slowly, however. <laughs> so we're on from today. Kaplow, uh, Mark, without a doubt, there is movement happening. Hammond resigning is clearing the path for the new coaching structure. It looks imminent. I think it does. Uh, I really do. And the vibe I'm getting from most of the, the viewers, David Bradley being another one, I can go with how um, I think certainly, Declan, he would be the most popular choice from what I'm seeing, from what I'm seeing from the Celtic fans. What, what do you reckon? I think he is the most popular choice and he, he ticks two boxes. He is a big name that will put bums in seats and make people buy season tickets. And he's also a young coach with young sorry, with with new fresh ideas in terms of the modern game. We saw what he did at Bournemouth. And I think he would be a really popular option for Celtic to go with. As I say, he ticks the two big boxes that I think everybody's wanting to do. And in terms of a, a, a new structure, I think he'd be the man to to slot in there and again something else we keep talking about on here in the market you've banged on about this Paul Brexit Covid we're not going to be able to go out and buy French players we're not going to be able to go out and buy other European players it's going to be British and Irish based players and again I think how's the, the man to know that market too Absolutely, you've got to consider that. I mean, the permit situation is going to be completely different. We used to dip into the transfer market, and you know, it was a hit or a miss. Let's be fair. I mean, some of the, the names that JP uh, ran through earlier on, you're, you're trying to see how many of them were successes. JP, maybe two. And that was probably six or seven players that you mentioned um, over the last couple of years. Treble, treble. They have stalled on announcements this long. Uh, what's it going to take to get the news that we all want? Several departures already and no sign of new faces. Well, what I would say to that is I'm pretty confident now, um, you know, seven days is a long time in football, JP, but we're sitting here last week saying that, you know, maybe after the international break, Nick Hammond will be gone. It's opening the door to Fergal. Harkin, you're not going to expect a management team, coaching team to be announced until Harkin's in place. So I, I do see it as progress. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's no question that you have to you know, uh, you know, relieve someone of their duties or that person leaves of their own volition before you can progress with, you know, uh, replacing them and, and bringing other people in. So I, I obviously, uh, Nick Hammond leaving surely signals a sign that, that changes are on the way. Yes, we would have all liked it sooner, um, but there'll, there'll be reasons why. Um, and I can't see them being negative reasons. Surely they're only going to be positive reasons, you'd like to think. And uh, it just made me think there as well. I was trying to think of a time when we brought in a glut of players at the same time and paraded them all at the same time. And, and there, there was there's one particular one that sticks out, but for the life of me, I can't remember who they were. But at some point within the last 15, 20 years, we've had a parade of new signings that have all signed at the same time. Because it was, I remember thinking it was really sort of strange seeing you know more than one player or even more than two players being per- uh, paraded. So. 
there's a good chance that will happen again this summer. It's just like meet our new, meet our new signing. Potential, potentially. I think back to the, again the centenary season where it was. Um, I mean, even Mick McCarthy was almost being unveiled as a new signing, uh, even though David Hay had signed him. It was David Hay's last signing before he left. But then Billy McNeil brought in Billy Stark, Chris Morris, Andy Walker, and you could. I remember the picture of them all yeah, standing on the pitch at Celtic Park, mm. fully dressed in the new centenary kit with. Billy McNeil in front of them in that really smart Celtic tracksuit the silver and green oh, one um, but they really play it out now don't they because they want to have every single one of them needs to have an announcement on social media and getting the traffic and so they play it all out so even if they've got three in the bag they'll probably do it individually anyway JP yeah, yeah they will they'll, they'll give them all their, their moment in the sun and let's hope they're good enough players to deserve their moment in the in the sun on that particular day um, to get the, the announcement and everything else because yeah, we we need we need established players brought in. We don't need projects, you know. We need guys coming in that have got experience. I'm not saying thirty three, thirty four year olds, but we need we need guys coming in at like you know twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, um, in the mould of maybe a Scott Sinclair, you know, that kind of guy that's maybe not had the right chances at the club he's been at, and you know, because we're not going to go in and pay top dollar for you know, first team players down in down in the in the uh, English Premier League. So aye, I'd say that. First team ready for Celtic, certainly. Yeah, um yeah. And- Interesting point coming in from Bohead's insight here. Uh, I would think Scott Brown would have a major say if Griffiths went to Aberdeen as he would have a better idea of his state of mind. Now, um, talking to Scott Brown, do you think that Lewis Ferguson, Declan, is the man to add um, the steel that we'll miss when Brown leaves the club? Do you think Ferguson's the man to step in? Listen, he's a, a young, hot Scottish talent. Um, when I've watched him against us this season, I've not been too impressed but, you know, there's certainly a player in there that could develop and um, it would certainly put it up one other side of the city. So um, I'm up for it if it's if he's to be the man to come in. But again, you know, we do need to look at the SPFL and look at who are, who are the better players in the league and he's probably one of them. And again, could you possibly see him form a, a partnership with David Turnbull in the midfield? It'd be quite tasty. It would, and again, it goes back to that argument, Declan, that uh, you know, for some time we haven't really been bringing in the Scottish talent. We've missed out on a few. I don't want to mention them again. Scoring goals for Scotland the other night, um, but you know, Turnbull is uh, key to this because he's shown that the transition from a team within the Scottish Premiership can be done. And not only that, it's not as though he's just fitted in. He's been an absolute standout, David Turnbull. And you hope that you know, should someone like Ferguson, I know a lot of people like the Lukey Campbell at Motherwell as well. Um, if these players come into Celtic, you would hope that you know the adjustment period that we've seen a lot of the new signings struggling with isn't going to be as bad. You know when they're coming in. JP, this is a great point from Graham Kennedy. I can actually picture this this uh, picture in my mind. This image in my mind. Did Vim Janssen not bring in a raft of new players? And it was uh, Adam Jackson, Jackson, mm-hmm. Burley. I think Mahe was in that picture. Yeah, and I, and I think Larson was probably in that picture as well, and they're all standing together on the pitch. So, yeah, yeah. I remember that one, Graham. Um, we're going to have two or three of the pictures, I think, this this preseason as well. Um, so, Lee Griffiths in a Celtic jersey, Scott Brown uh, in an Aberdeen jersey, rather Scott Brown in an Aberdeen jersey. Um, when it was announced, Man City were telling us that uh, Aguero was going to be getting a statue outside of the Etihad. 
Um, and I know that a lot of people have said to me that if anyone deserves a statue, it should be Jimmy McGrory, you know, the top goal scorer of the club, or Fergus McCann. Uh, the Bunnet should get a statue or a, a stand named after him. Do you think we'll ever do something for Scott Brown? Is it only after the event that you look back and you appreciate what he's done for us, Dick? I think it depends, Paul. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Scott back at Celtic Park as manager one day. So I think we'd probably wait until that we get past that point I think there's a lot more people in Celtic's history that at this point in time are more deserving of a statue but um, I still think you'll, you've not seen the last of Scott Brown at Celtic Park anyway When you look at uh, the performances of Kieran Tierney JP and he was uh, he was on last week talking about the influence of Scott Brown on Kieran Tierney's career his early career you know you always used to watch him wearing the t-shirt and everything because Scott Brown was wearing the t-shirt no matter how cold it was and he's carried that on to his uh, his time at Arsenal uh, the big question I asked I asked it last week is all around his stepping up even further from the level that he's at, at the moment I see a maturity in him when, when he plays for Scotland that uh, it's, it's quite clear to me that he has developed even further since he's left Celtic Park. Do you think he can make another step up, JP, because there's rumours that Man City might be looking at him? Oh, God, I don't want him to go to Man City. That would be that would be troublesome for me if he was to go there. <laughs> you, you're a Man U fan, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm a Man U fan and a Celtic supporter. Let's clarify that. Um, I don't support Man United because I can't. I don't live in Manchester and I don't have a season ticket. But Manchester United, I've got a place for them in my heart. I was born in Withenshaw. I have a right to support Manchester United or, or to be a fan of Manchester United. Uh, anyway, I don't want to see Kieran Tierney at Man City. I would love to see him at Manchester United if he was going to go anywhere or in a in a different league uh, entirely because I just uh, I just associate Man City with kind of mercenaries and uh, I, I don't want to consider Kieran Tierney a mercenary. But funnily enough, my, my mate Brendan was texting me this morning and he's an Arsenal uh, fan. Uh, and uh, you know just saying how amazing Kieran Tierney was and I was like well yeah I mean I, I watched him along with the rest of the Celtic support week in week out while he played for Celtic and it was glaringly obvious that he was on a completely different level to the majority of the players that he was playing alongside and that he would have no problem at all uh, and I think injuries aside down there he would have done it a lot sooner at Arsenal because you know you know, he's, he's, he's only doing now what we all knew he could do uh, while he was at Celtic, you know, like one of my favourite recent goals for Celtic is, is Tierney's up at Pataudry when he ran the full length of the pitch to celebrate with the fans and it was just, oh, it was absolutely glorious, you know, because you just, you just seen him sprinting back to us and he was like, I'm going to go and celebrate with him and it was amazing. It was a really great day. Um, so yeah, Tierney is world class, I agree. Lincoln- I was going to ask. I was going to ask your thoughts on that because I remember when when he left, and I had a discussion with Kevin Graham at the time, and um, I, I, I asked the question: Is this his level? Is this the maximum point that Kieran Tierney can get to? And what I meant was, you know, can he make a move out of English football? Can he go to one of the bigger clubs elsewhere? Can he move? Who knows where that would be? Be that you know Spain or or Germany? Could he step up even further? And I think there was a wee bit. Kevin might correct me. I think there was a wee bit of doubt in Kevin's mind. I think he he's seen Arsenal as being one of the top clubs in England, and that was his level. You're talking about Man City. I find that quite funny as well, JP, because you know my interest in English football. I've spoke about it quite a bit on here. It goes up and down depending on the eras, and you know I've always had a, an affinity with Liverpool 
And I think that goes way back. And I've spoken about, um, you know, the the connection that the clubs had, or the fan bases certainly had around the Hillsborough disaster, um, and various other things that's happened between the clubs over the years. Uh, I've always had that affinity with Liverpool, but um, the English club that I've seen in person more than any other is Newcastle. I've gone to more Newcastle games than any other cl- <laughs> any other club, and I think it's a shame that <laughs> you look at Man City and you're kind of like, you know, it's a sellout almost, you know, because I think Man City is being this team that was supported by Noel and Liam Gallagher and they were both wearing the Umbro Man City jerseys with brother on the front, on the front page of the NME in the, in the mid-90s and they probably had like one star player in Georgie Kincladze but the rest of the team is made up of people like Jerry Craney. That's the Man <laughs> City I, I like to remember, you know. I thought they were a bit grittier back then. They were almost like like uh, the kind of more left field side, so it's kind of gone full circle with Man City, is it not? A hundred percent. I've said this a few times. If, if, a, if a billionaire Sheikh came in and bought Celtic and we started signing all these like ridiculous players, I would not be into that at all. People in the comments may go, oh, of course you would, of course you would. No, I wouldn't, because it would dilute what the club's about for me and, and we suddenly would be operating at this almost false level of uh, you know of, of an idea of a club I, I would not be uh, a fan of that at all um, and, and not seeing player. I know that we're not seeing a lot of Scottish players coming through but we'd see even less if that happened because we'd just be going out and spending you know 40, 50 million on a on a right back <laughs> and uh, you know from from Brazil or something like that and it's just it just, I, nah, it just doesn't do it for me but Interestingly, you say about the Newcastle. I was at the four each game. Newcastle four. Arsenal. Half. I was there. Right. I was there. Yep, I was at that game. Four nothing at half time to Arsenal. For me, the best player on the pitch that day was Jack Wilshire. He was brilliant. That's yeah. when he really came to my attention that day. I spoke yeah. about that game last week. I was at that game four each. Jake Teote's goal in the last minute huh? or near near the end was just that was his only goal. Uh, I think, and well, certainly for Newcastle, it was his only goal. Yeah. Um, caught it so sweet in the left peg into the bottom corner and the whole place just went completely bananas well I'm going to have to take your word for that because me and my mates left at half time you didn't yeah we did and the second half was getting piped into Sky Sports in the strawberry bar in Newcastle just across from the stadium so we seen we missed one of the best comebacks in Premiership history because we were so Anyway, I'm not a Newcastle fan. I just used to like going and watch Newcastle. Um, because, you know, I actually do like the, the fan base. I, I really like the fanatical aspect in Newcastle United. I just think they're a very emotional club and there's not many of them around, you know, and I just think um, that, that it's easy enough to go down to it. I like the atmosphere. And a few yeah, a few years used to go down. I was at that game. I kid you not, JP, and we left at halftime, which was something of a regret. I would like Tierney to go to Germany or, or, or Spain and have a reason to go and watch him uh, go and play over there. You know, because if he went to Man City, I wouldn't be going to watch them. Um, I'd like to go down and see him play for Arsenal before he, before he leaves there, if he does leave there. But we need to get back to the games first. <laughs> and and uh, well, when that will be, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Absolutely. A uh, couple of other discussion points uh, before we get on to the, the Falkirk preview uh, for this weekend. Uh, there's been a racism su- summit uh, for Scottish football in the last few days, uh, not before time, but I think I'm going to go back to my John Barnes interview that a lot of people listened to back in the, in the day. It was quite controversial in that I felt John Barnes put over some tremendous points 
in terms of dealing with racism in society, not just in football, but he would not take on board the anti-Catholic, anti-Irish prejudice that uh, many people in Scotland suffer on a day-to-day basis. And John Barnes wouldn't accept that that's as big a problem um, in our communities and in our regions as racism is elsewhere. Um, he refuse to believe that it is a form of racism and I know that uh, you know up here and people like Declan are well aware you know you call it out and it's dealt with in the same way so if we're going to deal with racism I think we also need to deal with that aspect in Scottish society and in Scottish football Declan McConville uh, might be a more of a political point uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah 100% um, I know Jeanette Finley said a lot of good work on this too in, in terms of the campaign of call it out um, you know anti-Irish it's, it's not sectarianism it's racism I mean we dress it up as sectarianism in this country but it is racism and it needs to be challenged and I think it's something in Scottish society that we've learned to accept you you saw some of the, the graffiti and the and walls um, after Rangers won the league and some of it was absolutely appalling it's stuff that should not exist in the 21st century so I think it's something that as a, as a country that we certainly need to look at because it just it doesn't get treated in the same way. And I think it is just as bad, you know, the, the T word that we get branded uh, as a lot. It's not nice, it's derogatory. And it's a term that shouldn't exist in modern 21st century Scotland. So I think when we are talking about racism, yes, it's important to, to look at the other issues around Scottish society with racism um, because religion is one of them that, that gets it a lot here not just the colour of your skin um, for people that, that regularly attend mass or whatever, they're subjected to some horrific abuse and um, that shouldn't be the case. No, absolutely. But, you know, I'm not taken away from the developments and the progress that's been made, JP, in relation to tackling racism. But in Scotland, certainly and further afield, it's something that we need to look at. You just can't decide we're going to deal with that prejudice, but we're not going to deal with anti-Irish or anti-Catholic prejudice, which we see uh, far too often. Declan yeah, used a term there that you tend to, to become used to it. But now we're, we're taking a stand against it. We're saying, you know, it's not acceptable and it needs to be called out time and time again you've had some players coming out uh, James McLean famously comes out and speaks about it uh, Neil Lennon the now departed Neil Lennon spoke about it also in this country so it is an important point that we just can't bury is it uh, JP no and I was just uh, thinking when, when Declan said the T word I was like which one they've got a couple uh, for us uh, which are both unacceptable and uh, yeah I saw the same banners that he was talking about and it's deplorable and I actually watched the Finding Jack Charlton documentary the other day or mm. uh, two days ago. Yeah. And I never really twigged that what he did for Ireland was restore a sense of uh, pride and, uh, you know, changing the narrative, I think, on how people viewed Irish people. Because it shows you a couple of clips in the documentary of Bernard Manning and some other uh, English comedian just making blatantly racist jokes about like if you were to say what they were saying about a black person or a woman or whatever you know they, they would be you know hiked off the stage but you know back then it was almost like a, oh it was alright to say that and then the guy that was you know doing the commentary over it was just basically saying it was racism and, uh, and Paul McGrath was brilliant he was just like you know, if someone calls me the N-word, me and him are going to be fighting. And I was like, <laughs> Paul McGrath, you would not mess with Paul McGrath. Absolute. I'm, loved, I'm loved him oh. as a player. Loved him. 
Imagine, imagine him at Celtic. Oh, oh well, there, there was a couple of occasions, I think we've mentioned it a few times on here, JP, a couple of occasions where that was in the mix. You know, that move almost happened once under Billy McNeil, once under Liam Brady, his former international teammate. Uh, but anyone out there who likes a football book, who likes an autobiography, back from the brink, the Paul McGrath story will blow, oh, will blow your mind. What a book. Um, probably, in fact, the best football book I've ever read, Paul McGrath's. Really? Aye. Without a doubt. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It is. I've read a lot. Uh, There's a lot of formulaic football books out there. You read them for research mainly, Mm. JP, but I think the Paul McGraw one's up there. It is superb. You've got to read it. I could probably challenge that with the Lorenzo Amoruso uh, autobiography, which is... uh, hilarious and uh, probably unintentionally as well but like some of his patter is absolutely unbelievable <laughs> was there yeah. no like staged images of him and all that for his book aye, Amoruso yeah. there was I a very high opinion of himself put it that way <laughs> um, <laughs> aye, it's, 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 it's the print's about this big as well so you could probably read it in about half a day. It's all about the photos, eh? With Big Lorenzo, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's look ahead to Falkirk. Declan, give me a wee prediction about uh, Falkirk. Are we going to see a few changes, do you think? I think Kennedy's played it safe with his his lineup so far. Is he going to give some guys game time? And uh, how do you see the result going? I think he needs to mix it up a wee bit. Obviously, you've got a couple of guys coming in off the back of this plane. Three international games. I know Callum McGregor never started uh, the other night for Scotland and Israel, but Guys like that, maybe take a wee rest out, bring a few in, freshen up a bit. I would hope to get a win and try and get to the end of this season unscathed um, after this international break. This is the last one, so it's a decent run of games. I still think John Kennedy will be wanting to do his very best to try and put his name in the mix still. Um, so 2 or 3 nil to Celtic, I hope. It'll be quite strange to watch Celtic on a Saturday night again. I've not did that for a while. I think the last time he did that was Airdrie at home in the Scottish Cup a couple of years ago so um, that'll be a wee bit of a different experience but yeah 2 or 3 nil to Celtic 2 or 3 nothing says Declan JP are you going to share that enthusiasm and that positivity? Do you know what I I would far favour a good performance over uh, an emphatic win you know because we've had emphatic wins when we haven't played that well and I'd rather see the team playing well and win you know one one nil or two one or something like that. Ooh, Paul McGrath, amazing. Um, I, I'd rather see that than than yeah. Just I just love to see us play good football because it's not been great, has it? Really, we've not. You know, like yeah, we could have probably scored a bucket load against Dundee United, but we didn't. Um, I just want to see you know players playing, enjoying themselves. I know it's not the greatest of circumstances at all at the moment, still playing in front of empty stadiums, playing after we've lost the league. You know, the Scottish Cup does feel a bit like a kind of afterthought because it's only just been recently decided that it's actually going to happen. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, I obviously hope and think we should win. I mean, I don't know much about Falkirk at the moment um, and whether they're in any great shape, are they? Are, are Falkirk doing all right at the moment? Well, I just think with, with a team like Falkirk, JP, when you're looking at the, the distance in terms of the, the league, mm. uh, the, the, the league placings, how many placings are they below you? Mm. Um, and if you were going into a game against Hamilton, let's say, and no disrespect, you would be expecting at home to be winning that game comfortably, two or three, nothing. So then you go down a couple of divisions and you know you, you, that's what you should expect, regardless of how well they're playing. Although 
you know, if you want to look any further than Tynecastle to see that if you if you don't turn up on the night, exactly. I, you know, exactly. Yeah, we need to turn up. We can't just go there thinking, oh well, it's just in a routine victory because they will be absolutely fired up and they'll know that we we are vulnerable. So you know, if if they are playing, you know, at the limit and the peak of their uh, potential, then you know we need to be at ours as well because uh, you can't just sort of. Uh, take it as red that we're going to beat any team hit or miss you. Oh, Falkirk. Yeah. Okay. He, he, he's our Falkirk correspondent is Kevin Graham coming in um, for a late addition there. Kevin, thanks for that. Uh, so, JP wants a good performance and Declan wants a, a good emphatic win for Celtic. We'll be here to cover the game, absolutely, 100%. And I will be watching the, the women's on the uh, Sunday night, uh, Sunday afternoon, without a doubt. I uh, know that I'm a big fan, having spoken to them and all that kind of stuff, Dex. So I'll certainly be taking a break from I mean, the Easter eggs. There you go, I've I mean, sold it. I've sold it to you, right? Get away it's, from the eggs. You've got to get away from the eggs now. It's uh, always a pleasure on the Axon Bulletin. Thanks, everybody, for your support coming in, watching the Bulletin, getting involved in the comment section. You can do that on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. You can also message us. If I haven't got back to any messages, I will catch up with them. So thanks for getting involved. And all that's left for me to say is Declan McConville, JP Mason, thank you once again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.